TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Careers Unplugged, the weekly show connecting you to secrets of career success. Careers Unplugged is hosted by Rich Sayer and Stu Hayes and proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program. If you feel being happy, committed, and passionate about your career is important, you're in the right place. My name's Rich Sayer, and I'm here with the fabulous co-founder of Careers Unplugged, Make It Big Training, and the Master of Me Coaching Program, Stuart Hayes. Good morning, Stu. G'day, Rich. How are you? I'm, uh, I am jubilant and buoyant. Thank you, Thank you <laughs> for asking. I'm pleased to hear that. It was a big weekend. We were working across the weekend, and it's great that you're jubilant and buoyant. I am. Um, you know, a big glass of water goes a long way first thing in the morning. Um, now, <laughs> we've got a pretty, pretty special guest today. I'm, I'm a bit excited. Do you want to tell the uh, listeners about we that? Do. We do. We have a very, very special guest. Uh, in fact, uh, our guest today has touched the hearts and lives of thousands and thousands of people all around the world, including mine. Uh, I've had the very special privilege of being in the audience when she has been speaking. She's a very courageous and, and inspiring woman, and you know she's made more than 800 professional presentations in a very short time after surviving the Bali bombings of 2002 and other personal tragedies. More recently, she's been an author of, of books, including Soul Survivor, uh, for magazines like Marie Claire, Empower, Insight, Business Matters, and a whole bunch of others. She's been featured on or in the media on 60 Minutes, on ABC Radio, on Prime, Channel 7, Channel 9, Rich, a whole bunch more. And you know what? She even hosts a podcast. Wow. (laughs) Karen Smith, thank you so much for joining us on Careers Unplugged. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Karen, that's a a pretty big wrap there. And, you know, obviously there's a a big story um, that we're going to get out of you over the course of the next few minutes. But just specifically on career, what was your first job? Oh, you're going to laugh. Um, but it was actually my first job. I was working at Red Rooster at a chicken shop <laughs> and I was microwaving um, chicken excellent. rolls. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the soggy roll. The soggy roll. The soggy roll. So they were nuked. Yeah, of course. I lasted three days and it was all too much like hard work for me. Standing up on my feet all day was very uncivilized. So I resigned after three days. <laughs> so, uh, Karen, I mean, in, in, in your particular instance, um, there's a big story, you know, and, and uh, for the sake of um, the listeners that maybe don't know of your story, because obviously Stewie and I have the insight of knowing it, what would be the executive summary that, that led you to where you are now? Well, I guess um, the executive summary, and I really love that. I'm so going to steal that and use that one day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, my life was really full, um, as far from a career perspective particularly, because I was very career-oriented. You know, Mm. after I left Red Rooster and um, started to get a little bit of clarity, I, I worked my way into accounting, which I at the time just loved. And then from accounting, found myself in sales, which was very, um, it's, it's almost like an oxymoron because accounting people don't generally go into sales. But I had a very sales-oriented family and very entrepreneurial family. So I found myself in the recruitment industry working in Sydney. Yep. And the recruitment industry was great to me. So I worked my way up through the ranks over about 12 years in the recruitment industry up until um, general manager status where I think I had about 370-odd staff 
across Australia and all of the offices and a massive budget to be responsible for. Mm. So I reached the age of about 30 and I felt like I'd really arrived. Mm. Um, I felt like everything was going great at work, but at home things were really poor. Mm. I was in a relationship, actually I was 31, I was in a relationship with my partner Greg for about eight years who I just adored. But our relationship really had its struggles and it's, it's um, when our down times were down, they were really down. Mm. And there was an occasion where we just couldn't seem to fight our way out of a downtime. And unfortunately, the end result of that downtime was Greg committing suicide, mm. which rocked my world. As you can imagine, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't see it coming. It wasn't anything that I'd ever expected from him. What I saw of him was this strong silent type who always, you know, when push came to shove, he would speak his mind and hold nothing back. And I admired that, you know. Mm, mm. That put me into the depths of despair um, and the depths of depression where I developed an intense self-hatred for what I'd done to him because I blamed myself completely for what I'd done. Um, his suicide message told me that it was all about me and, you know, the police, the way that they handled it, God loves them, they did the best that they could and they were very kind to me. But unfortunately, the way that they handled it also told me that it was because of me. And when you go to school, you know, you don't you don't learn how to reconcile situations like that or occurrences in our lives like that. So when somebody tells you how to feel about something and you've not got a frame of reference for it, you take on that advice from that external person and it's exactly what I did. So I went into the depths of despair for what I'd done to him and his family and his friends. Um, it was it was soul-destroying and developed an intense self-hatred for myself over the course of the next year, so much so that I became disassociated from reality. I hated myself so ferociously that I was a murderer, that I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't live with myself. And I decided that on his anniversary I was going to take my own life purely because I couldn't live with what I'd done. I couldn't live inside of my own skin. I couldn't live with the pain I'd caused everybody. I couldn't live with the pain that I was experiencing and I couldn't live without him. So I made a decision that on his anniversary, which was the 14th of October, 2002, that I would take my own life. And I'd made that decision about three weeks earlier and told my best friend Jody that I'd planned to go to Bali for the anniversary and that I didn't want anybody coming with me. Now, Jody was, well, Jody had been my best friend for about nine years. She introduced Greg and I to each other. So, and I was living with her after Greg took his life. So she knew me inside and out. And she said to me, Kaza, you're not going anywhere without me on that anniversary. I will absolutely be there. And when Jody said something was something, it was something. So, <laughs> so she boarded the plane with me and another girlfriend, Charmaine, decided to join us because she'd separated from her husband and was feeling a little bit... Bit, bit dull and glim. So the three of us boarded the plane and we landed in Bali on the 12th of October 2002. And that was the day of the 2002 Bali bombing, which led to a course of events that left me with massive head injuries and both Jody and Charmaine were killed. Yeah, you just can't see that sort of thing coming, can you? I had no idea. Mm. No, I had no idea. I'd gone there with my own agenda and my own, you know, uh, outcomes that I'd anticipated while I was in Bali. And, of course, Jody and Charmaine knew nothing of it. Mm. Um, but as fate would have it, that just wasn't going to be the way that it was going to work out. 
Mm. So, Karen, I mean, this is such an incredibly touching story. Um, you know, it's a spine-tingling story in many respects, uh, and there's so much to it. And I know we're we're asking you to condense things um, be, because the show's short. Mm. You, how did you lift out of that? You know, this the scenario you were you were in the bombings. Um, you sustained a head injury, yet what's happened now is that you have a life that's thriving. Mm. Um, yet before Bali, you were actually uh, at a real crossroads and looking to to finish your life. That's true, um, and you know I delivered a presentation just a couple of days ago, which really caused me to reflect in a way that I haven't reflected yet. So it was very inspiring, and this interview with you guys is probably quite timely because I haven't reflected on what I've done. I've just gone on and done everything mm-hmm. um, to save myself. And initially it was seeing counsellors because I was incredibly depressed after Bali because now I felt guilty for the death of three people and it was all my fault. You know, they wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for me. So I, I, I went into the depths of depression, but I... You know, I wasn't going to take my own life because I'd come very close to losing it mm-hmm. in Bali. And I knew, you know, I got, I, I basically, they put a bomb under my, a bomb under my butt to wake me up because <laughs> I was asleep prior to that. Mm-hmm. And it took me six years of depression and six years of, you know, not really having myself in, you know, together and seeing counsellors and trying to fix it. And it never really worked. And I lost my little dog, Dolly to old age and I'd had her for 15 years. She'd been through everything with me and she was really losing her. um, I know this sounds really quite odd, but she was the catalyst to the change for me because I just couldn't do it anymore. I had no more tears to cry. I had no more pain that I could express. I was at my limit. Mm. And when I lost her, it was almost as if I I can't do it anymore. So there's got to be another way because I'm already at rock bottom. Where else is there? Mm. And when I started asking those questions, I started coming up with answers. And, you know, even though they felt like they were coming from nowhere, I strongly believe they came from somewhere. Mm. And it didn't, certainly didn't happen overnight, but it did happen that I started to ask the questions about what I was here for. If I survived Bali and I survived Greg's suicide, my own suicide, then what the hell am I here for? I must be here for something. Mm. And that started a whole new internal conversation for me that ultimately delivered me from my depression because instead of my my conversation being about how hateful I was, my conversation was, well, why am I here? Do you think that that relationship or those questions that you're asking yourself, and it reminds me of someone like Tony Robbins who says the quality of the uh, results you get is directly proportional to the quality of the questions you ask. Do you, yeah. think, do you think that the relationship you have with yourself now is a more honest one? Oh, wow, what a powerful question. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, like I, I can't help but feel, you know, that that when you, it's depression and when it's blame and those sorts of things, that there's sort of a uh, an out, you know, where now what you're saying is actually being more responsible for your own outcomes. Totally, most definitely. And there's not a day now that I don't look to myself as to who I'm being in order to create the results that I want. Mm. And then from that place, I take whatever action is necessary for the day. Mm. I, I, and, and it's largely, I think, why I've had the experience of success that I have. Mm. Karen, you, often uh, people have um, turning points in life. Um, and what's remarkable about your career is that 
you know, or your life. I mean, using career as a life path word, not 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 that you aspire to anything like this. Yeah. Um, there's been so many significant events. What what was it? Do you think that you know? I mean, around the time that your little puppy dog passed away, that yeah. that started to get things. Was there a wake up call? Did someone else help you at that point, or did you sort of just go, you know what? Um, you know, and you just plucked up some courage and, and said, you know what, there's something else I'm supposed to do here. It was a combination, I think. My dad, because uh, I rang my dad, and my dad's the most amazing storyteller, and my dad calls me Buffy. If we can keep that between us, that would be <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> but my dad calls me Buffy, and I rang him, and I said to him, Father, I said, I just don't know what to do with myself. I, I, I'm beside myself. There's, I don't know where to go now. And my dad told me a story and he said to me, Buffy, think about the humble little caterpillar living his life as a caterpillar, thinking that the world is perfect as he bulldozes over a blade of grass, feeling like he's all powerful and he can, you know, he's got the world at his little feet. But he yeah. said that caterpillar's got no idea what's coming and life and instinct occurs to him, which then causes him to spin himself into a chrysalis where he goes through a world of pain and a world of suffering and a world of transformation inside of that chrysalis. And he said to me, you know, he said, where you are right now and your pain and your suffering, he said, you're in this metamorphic state and nobody can take that away from you because where you are right now is terribly painful and there's a lot of suffering. But he said, Buffy, this is not even the fight of your life. He said, if you think this is hard, forget about it. He said, this isn't even it. He said, the fight of your life is yet to come. And I was curious. I said to him, well, God, could it possibly get any worse? <laughs> and he said to me, you know what, the fight of your life is actually the same as the butterfly and that he has to burst out of that chrysalis in order to survive and no one can help him because if anybody helps him, he dies. And if somebody does help him or if something occurs and the chrysalis is accidentally broken, his wings don't have the strength for him to fly. So he said, well, he said, you have to go through this and you have to get through to the other side. He said, because there's a butterfly waiting for you. And he said, and that butterfly, when that caterpillar turns into the butterfly, has a whole new perspective on life. Mm. He said before he was bulldozing over a blade of grass and now he's got the wind underneath his wings. And how, are you, how are you finding that that, um, I mean, this, this seems to have been a very powerful simile or metaphor for what's happened in your life. How are you finding that that's continuing to happen in other areas as life's unfolded in the last four or five years? Oh, gosh, where do I even start? Because there's so many things that are happening for you. And I feel like I've just begun. I really do. I feel like I've just begun. You know, my life has been incredible. I've created an amazing relationship with a man who is just my dream, um, Matt, and I have a beautiful home. I have an extraordinary business. And, And, you know, I do see my business as my life. And I do see my business as my learning ground. It's my school. So every morning that I get up and I come to work or I do my job, I feel like I'm at school because I'm learning something new about myself, something new about humanity, something new about harmony, unity, all of those things that to me are vital. It's the best job in the world, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. I tell you what, I couldn't think of anything more spectacular. Mm. I just, I, I feel like, I'm, again, I'm the luckiest person alive. <laughs> yeah, well, look, you've got to get in line because I feel the same way. <laughs> so we're all happy together. How important, since this transf- transformation, which really I think that's the only word for it yeah. in your, your case, since your transformation and uh, since the passing of your puppy dog, and I totally relate to that because I'm totally besotted with my little pup. Yeah. And I can imagine that that would be 
um, a tipping point. It was definitely a tipping point. Yeah. I'd, always, I'd always said if I lost her, they could put me in the grave next to her. Well. I, always, I always felt like my, you know, I always felt like that would be crippling. And it's amazing that she actually went at the time that she did, mm. because it was almost it was almost um, a savior. Because mm. I had no more tears to cry. I had nothing yes. else I could give. Uh, what I was getting to, I guess, is when you spoke about taking your own life, you had a specific date. Now, that strikes me. You're, you're, you're a goal setter. <laughs> you, yeah. know, you, you had a specific date and probably a time that you were going to do that. So now, since your transformation, talk to me about goals. Talk to me about how important goals are for you. Are you a list writer? Do you, are you specific with your goals? Or are you general? Tell me, tell me the Karen Smith goal setting methods. Yeah, I am specific. I'm very specific. Um, I'm quite an analytical animal, so I, I am definitely specific, and I am a bit of a list writer. I don't tend to have lists all over the show. I might create a list. And I, interestingly enough, while I was waiting to come on the show, I was writing a list. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the things that I'm going to be working on over the Christmas break. Yeah, yeah. Dropbox is my friend because <laughs> I can take my <laughs> list with love, me everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. I love Dropbox. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but I am. I'm very specific about my goals and I'm very clear and I, um, I'm the do whatever it takes kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I used to be like that, but now that I see that every moment is precious and that I'm the creator or co-creator with that universal force that you were speaking of earlier, mm-hmm. Um, I I take my goals very seriously. So I probably yeah I probably sit down with my list once every couple of months and make sure that I'm very clear on what I'm aiming for, and then I don't hold anything back. I go nuts. <laughs> so you have uh, outcomes in mind. Definitely. Do you focus on the purpose behind those outcomes? What I do is I. Get clear on the outcome that I want to create. And at the time that I'm setting the goal, I also work out who the person is that I need to be in order to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. So if who I'm being is I'm not good enough and that'll never work or what if that doesn't work or what if it doesn't happen. If the person that I'm being is that kind of person, then I know I can give up the goal. Um, so I work out the person that I need to be in order to bring that goal to life. And if I'm not ready for that, then I'll, I'll put the goal aside. Um, before I do any planning or actioning because, you know, there are some times that I'm taking myself to a whole new level Mm. of experience and sometimes I may not be ready for it. Mm. But, you know, for the most part, I'm I'm usually ready. By the time I write the goal, I'm usually ready. So I work out who I need to be and then I get very clear on the action steps that I think I need to take today and then I go nuts and then tomorrow I reevaluate whether I need to adjust those action steps or whether I can continue with them so I'm reevaluating all the time I don't keep myself trapped in one way or one groove mm-hmm. um yeah, I really I like what you're saying yeah. there because I mean we've got a, a program that Stu and I have written which is a, a lot of uh uh, encompasses a lot of what you're talking about and the belief um, aspect of, mm. uh, you know, you have to conceive it, believe it to achieve it. Mm. Uh, I think it was Napoleon Hill. But, you know, that, that belief aspect. And if you don't believe that you're ready for that, that, that goal right now, then it's as good as dusted. So, <laughs> Well, the journey, the journey of success in life is, is for me very much more about the journey of who you need to be to be successful more than it is about what you need to do totally. to be successful. Mm. 
Hey, question, uh, Karen. You had some a period of life where it seemed to me that you didn't recognize the value that you had within you, okay? Yeah. Um, that you were a beautiful, amazing, strong woman um, and some terrible events unfolded that, and, and a pathway that ultimately allowed you to see that. So now we are, here we are in 2013. Um, you look at your goals. You, you decide, who do I need to be? Here's the question. How do you sustain the belief in your value now and how do you grow that now so that you become that person without retreating back you know, to, to an, a darker place? I have developed over time a very intimate relationship with myself. And what I mean by that is I, and the Bible even says it, you know, know thyself and to thine own self be true. I, and it was Shakespeare too, I think. And I think that I have a very intimate relationship with myself where I know myself incredibly well. And I sometimes get lost and I sometimes lose my way. But having this intimate relationship with myself where I come first, mm-hmm. my sense of self-worth and sense of self-satisfaction and, um, yeah, my self-worth, it comes first. So there are definitely situations where I'm challenged, where, you know, somebody may not like me or something may go wrong, where I I definitely find myself challenged. But instead of me putting my energy into the problem, I put all of my energy back into my self-worth and knowing myself and using everything now as a vehicle for self-improvement. So it doesn't matter whether somebody, you know, says something on Facebook or I find myself in conflict with somebody else's opinion, everything now I look at as an opportunity to connect more deeply to myself and in that way um, I stay on purpose and I stay very clear about um, myself because I've, mm. I lived a life where I wasn't important and I lived a life where I wasn't enough and I wasn't good enough and I see that that's the basic problem that lies at the feet of just about every human being mm. and it comes from our childhood and experiences from we're kids so For me, if I'm to be any support and help on a global scale, and that's my intention, um, then I can't do that by playing a small game. Mm. I have to wake up every day and recognize my intention for for my life till the day that I die is that the world becomes a better place. And it's not just my world. It's globally. It's Mm. everybody's world. And whatever it takes in order for me to create that, I won't hold back. But I can't do that if I'm thinking I'm not good enough or I'm playing small. So I have to make sure that I keep myself – I'm very vigilant – about knowing that I'm the center of the universe and there's a power inside of me that beats my heart, breathes me, blinks my eyes, blooms a rose, bakes a baby and raises the sun. And that same power is inside of everybody. Mm. The uh, one blade of grass being cut affects the entire world theory that uh, I I particularly love. And and actually what you're just saying there too comes back to my, my previous question about the honesty of the relationship you have with yourself now as compared to previous where you were potentially using blame or irresponsibility rather than taking responsibility for yourself. And uh, it just resonates with me in a big way, what you're saying. Coming back to to you, the amazing goal setter, Mm. what's your your number one goal now? what's, What's going on? What's what's, what's, the, what's the big exciting thing that's on the on the I'm talking uh, to Rich and Stew? What are you talking? Yeah, about? yeah. Well, besides that, but what's going on for you? What's the what's the big thing that's you know, that's buzzing you out? I've got a couple of things on the boil. Actually, I can read my list out to you if you want. <laughs> you go, girl. 
Well, I've been flirting with a television show for a number of years now, and each time I've done my goals and worked out who I needed to be, I realised I wasn't ready. Have you you told Matt Uh, (laughs) that you're flirting? (laughs) He knows I'm a bit of a tart. He's the producer. (laughs) Nice, nice. Um, so yes, I've been working on a bit of on a television show and a concept um, for quite some time, and I've spoken to Foxtel about it. And I think finally I'm ready. Um, I was just actually writing it all out before we got on the call, and I'm finally, mm. you know, and I'm really quite excited about it. And um, I've got a couple of ideas and concepts around that um, as well. And then I also am looking into growing my market. This year I've been overseas an awful lot, particularly in the states. Mm. And there's a huge opportunity that's available to me in the United States. So um, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it in terms of building my business over there. Mm-hmm. And then there's also other opportunities become available in the UK, in London. So in the past, I probably would have said, no, that's too much like hard work. I don't have the energy for that. But um, I you think that come was- on. No, I know. That- you surprised me. <laughs> that's I was being because I didn't think I was good enough, you see. <laughs> uh, you know, so, but if, if you're fueling the engine on love, it's endless, huh? There's endless uh, energy. Totally, totally. And I feel on fire. It feels, it feels fabulous. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited about what 2014 is going to bring. So what's the, what's the golden nugget that you would um, – like give someone if you if you, if someone was with you for five minutes in an elevator, maybe they're uh, a bit younger, early part of their life. Um, what are you going to say to them if they are if they asked? In fact, if they asked, yeah, if they asked, um, I would a couple of nuggets. I would say you can have anything that you want to the extent that you're clear. Um, clarity is power. Clarity is power. And the universe requires 100% participation. So when we're fueled at half fast or we're running at 50% because we don't believe that we're good enough or we're making reasons and excuses for why we don't have the kind of life we want, we're functioning at 50% and 60% and the universe responds to 100% participation. So whatever it takes for us to get fully into the game, that actually has to be our goal. That has to be our objective. And then the rest will be given to us along the way. Um, you know, as we become more clear. And I would say trust yourself. It's the most challenging thing in the world that I've done um, out of everything that I've built in terms of my business success. But trusting myself has been the greatest challenge. And still to this day, it continues to challenge me because I come up with ideas or directions or um, inspirations and then I doubt them, question them and don't fulfill them or, you know, and, and I think that's the thorn in most humans most of our sides, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm really starting to get and have been getting for the last couple of years that before that desire idea was in, um, that it landed in my head and before it landed in my head, it was somewhere. Like it didn't just come from nowhere. It came from somewhere. Uh, I, I love it. It's divine love inspiration. <laughs> oh, well, look, my, my entertainment company is called Instinct, you know, and, uh, you know the that I, that concept that we've got two minds. You know our yes. conscious mind and our subconscious mind, yep. and our conscious mind is quite limited, and our subconscious mind has capacity beyond our wildest dreams, and 
t- stepping over that threshold to trust our subconscious mind is uh, a daily challenge. And, and yet someone actually said it. it was another trainer that I heard that when you trust your instinct or your subconscious mind, you know, how do you tell the difference between the trickster, the, the, the doubting voice in your head versus the, the real, you know, higher self? And I think the way they put it was you always know the voice of your lover if you have that relationship with your higher self. Mm. And, and that's really stuck with me, you know, as a, as a great analogy for what you're saying. And I think that's right. And that comes back to having that very intimate relationship with myself. Mm. Uh, you know, I can tell the difference between just an idea because I get like 300, 300 mm. ideas a day. I've, I've, I've got this list next to me of, this, of all of my ideas, but the ones that are inspired that were nowhere before they were now here, um, I find that if I sit on them for a couple of days, the desire and the excitement just grows. And if I don't fulfill them, the desire and the excitement doesn't go anywhere. It mm. stays there. And the way that I look at that now is I think, well, if I've got that, if I've been given the desire and the inspiration to do it, it means that it's required out in the universe because the universe knows better than I do. Mm, mm. And, and you can feel it too, can't you? You know, there's, there's, yeah. there's just because, you, I mean, I, well, I think Rich and I both get a lot of ideas too and, and there's, a, there's a difference. You know, quality is permanent, lasts, but you feel it. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, I have inspiration from domain names to business ideas to whatever. And yeah. uh, sometimes, you know, I laughing at myself as they're popping into my head. And I take them seriously. You know, I'll go and register that domain name and, and I have no idea why. <laughs> and then later, I go, oh my goodness, that was for this reason and so on and so forth. And, and you know, you just got to run with it and be excited about it. And, and uh, look, we're gonna we've run out of time, and and oh, and uh, it just goes so quick. And it's been such a pleasure to talk to you this morning. And thank you so much for uh, making yourself available and being so open and sharing your story. And and um, I'm sure that the listeners will be grateful as we are. And uh, just really want to thank you so much, Karen. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute treat, you guys. Wonderful. Stu, any closing remarks? Uh, look, I, my, my gratitude, um, no end. And I'm very grateful. My heart is resonating um, oh. talking to you. It's wonderful. Thank you, Karen. Very much looking forward to seeing you again on stage at some other time and, uh, and to bringing you back on the show to hear how things are going. I would reckon we've got a Karen Smith part two coming up at some point. So <laughs> to all of you at home, in the car or wherever you are, thanks for joining us. Make sure you visit careersunplugged.com uh, or on Facebook. Leave your comments. And, of course, give this episode a five-star rating on iTunes. Do it for Karen. This has been Careers Unplugged with Rich and Stu. Careers Unplugged, proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program, helping you succeed in life career and business this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.